the incomparable. Number 184, March 2014. Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Snell. We're here to talk about not video games, not console games, uh, not card games, probably, unless they also have a board. We're going to be talking about board games. That's right. That's right. Spin your little spinner. Get out your hungry, hungry hippos. I'm not even sure that counts as a board game. And uh, join us as we take this trip through great games of perhaps our childhood, perhaps today, um, games you can play on a rainy day, games you can play on a sunny day if you don't like the sun and want to stay inside, or play on a on a table that's outside. I don't know. Games. Board games. That's what we're talking about if you didn't get my drift. Let me introduce the people who are going to be talking about board games with me. Monty Ashley is here. Hi, Monty. Hi, Jason. Aren't board games great? Board games are fun. Having kids has given me a whole new appreciation for board games because we play them with the kids. Erica Ensign is also here. Hello. Hello. The game is on. The game is on, and it's controlled by a spinner that is a little piece of plastic arrow on a piece of cardboard. But it's still a game. The game is still on. Mm-hmm. David Lore also here. Hi, David. Hello. I'll, uh, I'll I'll take Paul Lind to block. Uh, in the Hollywood Squares board game, you can do that. Is That's there, right. Was there a Hollywood Squares board game? There was. I bet there was. You got to take it home for losing. The the home game. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Good point, Monty. You you had to make your own smarmy jokes, of course. Yeah. Your celebrities were just pieces of cardboard, but, you know, get a baseball card. Well, that's the real thing. But anyway. (laughs) Tony Sindelar also here. Hi, Tony. Hi, Jason. I'm looking forward to talking exclusively about Fizbin. It is uh, Thursday night, so uh, that is worth double. Yeah, I, I believe I have at least a half Fizbin already. It's been more of a card game, isn't it? Uh, it is played on a board. On a board. Well, that's true, right? It is a very confusing game. Good points. All right, finer points of Fizbin coming up later on this podcast. And Dan Morin, who I've left to last because I do that with Dan. <laughs> Hi, Dan. Hi, it's good to be here. I thought this was more of a three-dimensional chess night, but I don't know. I can. The night is young, Dan. The night is young. It could be. We could get there. As always, I have, I have proven this in past podcasts. One could discuss a topic like normal people and just say, oh, hey, what about that? What about this? Isn't that interesting? I find it more intriguing to treat life as a series of fantasy drafts. That is my cross to bear, <laughs> but uh, it's my podcast. So, Monty, Ashley, what would you like to pick with the first pick in the board game draft? I'm going to go with the game that I have studied, Trivial Pursuit. Oh, man. That was on my list, too. <laughs> Specifically. Well, first one. Those reactions don't happen if it's not a draft. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. <laughs> That's a classic, Monty. Classic. Uh, good pick. Specifically, the original Genus Edition. Genus Edition, not yep. the Genius Edition. No. Genus. If you think it's the Genius Edition, you are perhaps a genus, but you are not a genius. As far as I can tell, I once spent an entire summer just reading Trivial Pursuit cards. <laughs> it's that's that's not a game, Monty. Well, that was that's homework. Life. That's how I did D and D when I was a kid. That's yeah. a cry for help. It's preparation for a game. So now, if I play the original Genus Edition, there are times when I know the other questions on the card. If I hear <laughs> one question. And if anyone out there is actually thinking of playing this version, I can give you two tips. Uh, 
If it's a sports question and you don't know the answer, it's probably lawn tennis. And if it's not, it's Sonia <laughs> Henney. This is a Canadian game, and they had not squeezed all the Canadianness out of it yet for the first edition. So go with lawn tennis or Sonia Henney, and you will be set. That's sports and leisure, yes. <laughs> I had a friend uh, who in college, uh, my friend and I would just challenge regularly challenge the rest of the entire dorm floor to Trivial Pursuit, and we never lost. So that was good times. People stopped playing me after I started playing for money because they're all cowards. Yeah, that'll happen. <laughs> yeah, that, that that I had a similar experience with Star Wars Trivial Pursuit where people stopped playing with me after I won in two turns. <laughs> oh, well. Oh, yeah. my. Yeah, I actually own, I own 10 different versions of Trivial Pursuit. And actually, when I move in with my spouse, it'll be 12. Nice. <laughs> Canadian, yeah. see, so they're back to the roots of Trivial one, Pursuit. Yeah, because I have I have the American version of Genus One, and he has the Canadian version of Ooh. Genus One, which actually has even more Canadian questions in it than the U.S. version. There's it's that much sweet. trivia about Canada. <laughs> you wouldn't think so, would you? But no, it I there really is. It's all about SCTV, and hockey. It's like <laughs> it's another country or something. It's stuff like that. I re- the genius of not genius of Trivial Pursuit <laughs> is that um, is combining it is making it a board game because you could do a trivia, you know, book or something, but by making it the brightly colored circles with the little pieces of pie that you get when you when you when you answer a question right and and having that board element um i don't for people who were not who did not live through i mean the in the 80s it was just a revolution when this thing came out it was just everybody oh. had this game it was the game to have i feel like we should do a podcast where we play genus one just because of <gasps> how hilariously bad and out of date so out of date the, the answers oh, yes. oh my god yeah, that i remember great. i used to go to a, a brunch place where they'd have trivial pursuit cards and like the thing that would probably should have had like salt and pepper packets or something like that and they were clearly all from the 80s so there was that added dimension of playing <laughs> trivial pursuit but trying to guess what you know what the answer to that would have been around nineteen. <laughs> what country still yeah. exists at yes, that point? You know. <laughs> yeah, sorry. The answer is East Germany. Yeah. <laughs> Yugoslavia. <laughs> My roommates and I used to Trivial Pursuit wasn't interesting enough, so since I had so many versions, we would add another dimension. So you'd go around the table, you'd land on some color, and then you would roll a die to see which version <laughs> of the game you would get a question from. Oh, I love that. <laughs> it was so fun. And yeah, every time you'd get genus one, you'd be like, Oh man. Now I have to think extra hard. Yeah, what was the answer in 1987? (laughs) Yep. Or you could get end up on like the DVD pop culture version, which was just like the answer is usually Britney Spears. Oh, they got they got so much worse and worse as they went along too. I'm trying to remember which was the last was like Genus Four might have been like right on the edge of like the last one that wasn't just like trashy terrible knowledge, and then they like changed all Mm -hmm. the categories and it got dumb it was dumb yeah and then for some reason after five they stopped even being genus it's just six is version six yeah. it goes ver- genus one two three four five version six why trivia it ain't what it used to be I- i'd like to announce by the way our brand new podcast that we're starting here that we every week we're just going to play trivial pursuit on the internet and- i am so I am in so for that in. people <laughs> yes. will listen jason have you learned i can't nothing. joke i can't even joke about things like i used that. to have a book about trivial pursuit and it cl- included strategy tips when Whoa. know a lot of things. Yeah. Well, no. You have to understand that being in one of the squares between the two roll again spaces is better than being in the in the spot between the roll again and the wedge spot. Mm. Because if you're between the two roll again, then anything you roll will either give you a roll again or a wedge spot. 
Whereas if you're in a spot between the roll again and the wedge spot, two will only get you to a regular question. Incidentally, Trail Pursuit falls in the same category as Monopoly with games that when you play them with like your parents, they eventually like give up and let you win because it just goes on for hours otherwise. <laughs> Unless you're playing with my dad who wins almost immediately every time. I haven't played with your dad, but I, you know, I, <laughs> I, I think I see. Well, my parents were both librarians and my mom was a reference librarian. So I lost a lot until the questions started adapting more to my age. <laughs> I could do a whole podcast about games I won't play because other people in my family were too good at them. <laughs> I'm looking at you, Scrabble. Yeah. Also, oh. Oh, yeah. also chess. Yeah, yeah. I guess you know those are those are board games. I wonder if somebody will pick chess or checkers or or another. That would be a outside the box kind of pick, is what I'm saying. The um, board game box, Monty. That was a great pick, fitting of the first pick in the draft. I think. Cheers. Yeah, Erica. It's your turn next. Ooh. Well, that was going to be my first pick, so oh, I'm nice. I'm going to go with my other favorite game of all time, and that would be Careers, which I <laughs> some of you may not be familiar with. It's a, it's a game that I grew up with. The version that I grew up playing was actually from, I think, 1958. Uh, it was my parents' board game, but there have been multiple versions since then. I actually, for a while, went on a thrift shop hunt and have collected a bunch of versions. I think I now have like three or four different versions, a couple from the 70s. The newest one is really dumb, as as tends to happen with games. But the idea with careers is you go around the board, and there are different careers that you career paths that you can choose. But you have to be able to meet the entrance requirements. Some of them require a certain amount of education, which you can earn. Some of them require a certain amount of money, which you can get from landing on spaces. And the thing that I like the best about this game is that your goal varies depending on what you choose, and nobody else knows what your goal is for the game. So at the beginning of the game, you're trying to you're trying to gain money and fame and happiness. And the fame and happiness are little stars and little hearts. It's very cute. So at the beginning of the game, this has to add up to 60. So you could choose 20 of each. You could choose, um, you know, $60,000 or 60 fames or whatever. And everybody chooses their own. And then they, they write it down on this little piece of paper and you, you fold over, fold it over so the other people can't see what your goal is. So the whole time you're playing, you're the only one that knows um, what you're what you're shooting for so uh. you can win without anybody else like realizing you're even getting close really fun and i just like the idea that you know i can go to space and be an astronaut or in the old version one of the careers is to go uranium prospecting on a donkey <laughs> <laughs> that is that is not a good career it's got a short half-life wow. it's a jo- job <laughs> as, a, as a summer job maybe but not as a career <laughs> In the 70s, I believe they replaced that with ecology. Um, <laughs> and the... <laughs> In the original the version, the original version, you could uh, go to sea. That was one of the best places to earn happiness because you know there was a lot of of beautiful things if you're a sailor. Um, but then that the went away. Scurvy, starvation, shipwrecks. Yeah, I, I think it maybe became teaching or something like that later. I, I it was just a, a lot of interesting changes which I didn't approve of because I grew up, you know, uranium prospecting where you could make twenty thousand dollars on one space if you landed right. And there are cards that, that were called Opportunity Knocks cards. That was that was the first way I had ever heard of that phrase, Opportunity Knocks. I thought it was from the game yeah. Careers for a long time. <laughs> nope. Mm. 
wow, I have never heard of that game. I imagine I, one I of those opportunity knocks cards says you win $10,000 unless you're a uranium prospector, in which case you've gotten <laughs> cancer and yeah. must go to the hospital <laughs> instead. There's a reason they took that one off. I, I think that was one in the <laughs> stack of games that they had at like one of the camps I went to or something, which means it was probably like missing pieces and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But I have, I do have some sort of memory of playing this game as a, as a child. If you see it in the thrift shop, pick it up because it's just fun. And I can always sell it, sell to you because clearly you're in, yes. in need of more additions. <laughs> yep, yep, absolutely. I will take it off your hands. I swear. Well, with those two picks, I feel like we're. I feel like we have surrounded ourselves with ringers that Erica and Monty are going to destroy <laughs> us with their incredible board game knowledge. I used to play careers every year with my cousin at a Christmas family reunion we'd have. So I think of careers fondly because it reminds me of Christmas and family. And I must have played 50 games with my cousin Cindy over the course of four (laughs) years before we got tired of the game because I won every single one of them. Wow. I, I mean, I still played it so much that I still remember uh, there's a there was a space called Park Bench, which was a bad space because that meant that you were out of a job and didn't have <laughs> enough money to get off the park bench. <laughs> and you had to roll seven, 11 or doubles to get off the park bench. Ah, oh, careers. Wow. Just like in real life. That's a great pick. <laughs> That's a great. Yeah. Just like in real life. That's how careers work. How many stars do you have, Dan? Yep. I roll a lot of dice. Let's put it All that right. way. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. That's that's great. I don't think I've ever heard of that game before, so that's um, totally blown me away. David Lore, it's your turn. <laughs> Jeez. I, I take nope, it back. Skip, oh. Skipping it. Skipping that David Lord, thank you for your pick. Uh, moving on. Nope, go ahead. Go ahead. That's that's right. Evil laughter the board game. No. Um, since I think the rest of my list is pretty safe, I'm going to go with the big name right off the bat and go for Monopoly. Yep. Because I don't know anyone who doesn't know it, doesn't play it, hasn't played it, hasn't seen it, doesn't have one of, you know, how many thousand variations of it they have now. But I grew up with one of the, it wasn't the original set, but it was like the 1937 edition. So it was sort of like, you know, you had to be very careful taking it out. And so, you know, I I grew up loving the game and... Uh, my best friend in high school, who wound up as the best man at my wedding, he and I have had a long tradition, this is going on something like 30 years now, where whenever we get together, if we have the time, we will play what we call Killer Monopoly, which involves staying up all night, playing all night till dawn, sometimes through to the next day. I think our longest game ran four days straight. Wow. Um, that was back when he was in college, so... It's called Killer Monopoly because at the end you want to murder the other person, (laughs) right? Yeah, you just keep going till someone dies. Pretty much, yeah. No, you you, you do start to lose all sense of, you know, human courtesy by about the 12th hour. So do you uh, auction off uh, properties that you land on or you just have to buy them outright or or pass them by? Oh, oh yeah. It it is uh, auctioning and trading and mortgaging and, um, you know, we, we use all the variation rules, the free parking um what is your and, policy and it, on free lands on your spaces in exchange for not being able to pay rent um you know i don't think we ever worried about that is stealing money from the bank cheating or only cheating if you get caught it was no well we never did that um well i should say i never did that um that's spy talk <laughs> 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 but uh yeah, I mean, the, the thing that was kind of interesting just for That's a call forward uh, for something. Yeah, okay, I got it. <laughs> um, 
just from a sociological point of view or, or an economic point of view, I don't know. It was really weird how, you know, every few hours the balance would shift, you know, and the longer you played, you know, it would seem like one person was going to win and just dominate. And then all of a sudden something would happen. It would start shifting back. And, you know, and of course, you both had to have hotels on stuff for that to happen. If one person had everything, that was it. But uh, but and this and this is a, a theory that I got from my mother, and it's held true ever since. I don't worry about Boardwalk and Park Place. I always buy the yellow properties. Everybody lands on the yellows. Yeah, I was I was felt that way about the greens, but either way, yeah. yes. Well, that that whole quarter is just beautiful. So yeah, the the greens are my second choice. So it's the blue, the the yellows and the greens. You're a Marvin and, Gardens kind of guy, is what you're saying. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And uh, there's. There's a wonderful uh, book of short nonfiction pieces by John McPhee where one of them is the history of the board game Monopoly where he contrasts it with the history of Atlantic City. And, you know, and he goes and visits the real Ventnor Avenue and the yeah. real New York, you know, all of that. And then balances it against the history of the game. And it's really interesting. Well worth reading. I think the book is called Table of Contents. Okay, Monopoly people. Um, I was the car. What? What was your? Uh, let's go around. What, what's your? What's your? What's your choice, David? Top hat, because because Fred Astaire. Tony, I think I was the car always too. I did not. I do not. I don't. I don't like the message that Monopoly sends. Oh, I was raised oh, by hippies. Oh my! So, but there was a lot more playing with sticks and but going it's outside. The, it's explaining than playing, that Monopolies you know, are dangerous. I just. I think they were waiting for the People's Republic of Monopoly to be released, and that never. That, <laughs> Never made it to print. Everybody Thanks, gets, Milton Bradley. Thanks everybody gets the same amount of money, and then the and then the game is over. That's where all I the think. properties are handed out. The message of Monopoly is that real <laughs> estate developers just sometimes go to jail for no reason. <laughs> if you're in real estate, you're going to spend some time in jail. That's you just may a have to I go mean, to jail. that's accurate. <laughs> go directly oh. to jail, by the way. My babysitter growing up, and I always played Monopoly, and she would do... Um, the uh, luxury tax is $75, so it was 50 a 20 and a 5 And I could still remember that because mm-hmm. she would say it every time, 50 20 and a 5 And then the other thing is when she would land on the, uh, the jail space, uh, she, would, she, she would say, not when she was sent to jail, when she would land <laughs> on the space, visiting. she'd say, just visiting. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I, I, I scared the kids the first couple of times we played Monopoly because – I would just count out the money without even thinking, without looking <laughs> at, you know, how many bills of each. No, it was just boom, 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 boom. How does he know? How do you do that? He uh, might have a problem, I'm, kids. <laughs> I'm a ringer. Uh, Dan, what was your token? Uh, I think I also went for the car. Um, yeah, I think that was the one. Car? Monty? Uh, originally, I liked the car because I felt that it went best with free parking, but I have evolved <laughs> into a shoe man. I think that's a pretty key a shoe. shoe man, nice. Interesting. Oh, nice. Erica, what about you? I never liked the car. I, I would change up. I was usually either the thimble, the hat, or the iron. Womanly I things. Say, no one... <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Wow. Ouch. <laughs> Careers. <laughs> yeah. Um... yeah. Screw you guys. I'm going re- green prospecting. My, my, uh, my son now takes the car, so I'm left with whatever the hell is left after he takes the car. That's, Scotty Dog. That's Scotty my punishment. Dog. Yeah. You know, the, oh, Scotty Dog was always my second you can choice. put the, him up. He can stand up. Yeah, but he yeah. fell over so easily. Yeah, but you could, yeah, but he could stand up. It was Aww. neat. It was, uh, yeah. There's a battleship. You can intimidate your opponents a little. How many cans of that iron got? <laughs> That's true. 
I think we had lost the battleship because we never had that. I feel like it came later or something because I feel like I had one, but it like it wasn't originally in my. I don't have no idea. Yeah, I think it may have been one that either was there and gone or just came later because maybe it wasn't in our set. Wow, Monopoly! I'm shocked it went third, honestly. <laughs> but uh, that's uh, it's a classic. That's a good one. Thank you, David. Well played. Anytime. Hey. Uh, now go directly to jail. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. It's you roll doubles to get out. We'll come back to you. Are they are they twenty sided doubles? <laughs> yes. All right. I'd like to tell you about one of our sponsors. It's Warby Parker, the rebels of quality eyewear. Do you wear glasses? Whether you're somebody who has a little vision problem, I do. I wear glasses all the time. I have since I was eighteen years old. And uh, you could also be somebody who just doesn't like the sun to shine straight into your eyes, and you wear sunglasses. Well, Warby Parker makes great high-quality, vintage-inspired eyewear, and that isn't the whole story. Style is just the beginning with Warby Parker, because the big story is Warby Parker, why are they rebels? Because they believe glasses should not be super expensive. Glasses shouldn't cost as much as an iPhone. Warby Parker's prescription glasses start at $95, and that includes the prescription lenses, and their super snazzy titanium collection starts at only one forty-five. All glasses include anti-reflective and anti-glare coating. No bonus charges for that either. It's included in the cost. Now, Warby Parker makes buying glasses easy. This is the thing that really sets them apart. Their home try-on program. Shopping on the internet, you look at something, you're like, is that going to fit me? Is it going to be good? Is it going to be bad? Warby Parker will send you up to five pairs of frames shipped directly to you. You can keep them for up to five days. And then there's a prepaid shipping label to ship them back when you're done. Your friends, your family, your colleagues can look at these different frames as you try them on. Tell you, oh, that one looks good. Eh, That looks a little weird. You shouldn't buy that one. So when you finally choose which one is right for you, you'll know. You'll have great certainty that this is the pair of glasses for you. And when you place an order for prescription glasses, they get started on them right away. They'll be in your hands within 10 business days. And I'm going to tell you, it's usually even faster than that. 10 business days, quick turnaround. Even if you went to your local eye doctor and had their their local boutique order something, you're going to have to wait for that too. You're going to have to wait for the order from anybody. Warby Parker... Is not going to make you wait a long time, 10 business days, and you'll have your glasses. And for every pair of glasses sold, Warby Parker distributes a pair of glasses to somebody in need because they believe everybody should have access to eyewear and be able to see, which is yet another really cool thing about Warby Parker. So if you are the sunglass type person, non-prescription polarized sunglasses, $95. That's it. There's that price again. And $145 for the titanium collection. And if you get prescription sunglasses, those start at $150, $195 for the titanium collection. So, Warby Parker, they're rebels. They think glasses should be affordable. What is wrong with these people? They are crazy people. Anyway, if you're like me and you wear glasses and you want to try on these Warby Parker frames in your house, here's what you do. You go to warbyparker.com slash snell that's my last name warbyparker.com slash snell choose your five free home try on frames go to warbyparker.com slash snell you'll get free three-day shipping send the frames back choose your favorite pair and order warby parker makes the experience completely risk-free and there's free shipping all around so check them out and thank you so much to warby parker for sponsoring the incomparable uh tony it is your turn hi 
well, I have a list of games. Um, they are mainly games probably from the last decade, so I'm not too worried about anybody drafting them, except maybe Dan. Oh, I've got some of those, too. Oh, I've got, I've got some well, of those, Well, guess what? I'm going to talk about them when you draft them, no matter what. I'm yeah, taking the, the John right. Syracuse Road to Hell. Well um, played, Tony. <laughs> so I'll just go with something that is not from the last decade. Um, I will draft HeroQuest. Does anyone, oh. is anyone familiar oh, with wow. the game HeroQuest? HeroQuest? Nice pick. Love it. Yeah. I, I thought I thought Monty might have something I've to say I've never about heard it. of this game. So HeroQuest, it, I looked, oh, it's good. I checked. It's from 1989. I knew it was at least 10 years older than any <laughs> other game on my list. Um, HeroQuest was basically a Dungeons & Dragons-esque board game. And in fact, I have a, a little bit of trouble uh, separating in my head how different it was from D&D. You didn't get to roll a d20. I know that. But your characters um, were, they didn't even really have names. They would be like dwarf, dwarf. and <laughs> wizard and barbarian. Uh, and they moved around kind of a pre-set up board that a basically a dungeon master would build that had traps and bad guys on it. And I think everything was done with little custom D6s, which had little dice uh, with uh, shields and, and skulls on them. Um, but it was basically D&D light repackaged into, you know, board game format that you could play in the in the early 90s. And I played it a bunch. You could even, if you were that kind of kid, make your own adventures, like remixing like the maps and the, the traps and the various cards they gave you. Uh, and that was a lot of fun. And that was probably something that, you know, paved a path for a later interest in role-playing games and Dungeons and & Dragons and things like that. Monty, it sounds like you had, you have memories of HeroQuest? Uh, some. I was more of a talisman guy myself. Yes. Ooh, yes. I had, I had a bad experience with talisman uh, because, I only, because I played it recently. <laughs> we tried to play it recently. It, oh, you can't do that. No, you have to do it when you're a kid and you have eight hours. It did not age well. Turns out, it did, does, turns out it's, it's like watching the Transformers cartoons now. I disagree. I still, love, I still love talisman. I have played it within the past couple of years and I haven't finished it. But <laughs> I may have made a mistake. We played it with an enthusiastic friend who sometimes makes the mistake of when there's a game with a bunch of expansions for it, he will oh, insist on playing yeah. the first game with all of the expansions, even if that is <laughs> ill-advised or ill-advised well, for first time. It was time. a bad That's idea. That's what you have to do with Talisman. All the expansions except Talisman. No. Uh, Dragon, the last one. Anyway, I played HeroQuest. I have some fond memories of it, but not enough to go into anecdotal detail. <laughs> so, yeah, I, and I think, you know, HeroQuest had that kind of, because you have this kind of the pre-built, very simple kind of little dungeons you know, it'll, it would allow somebody, you know, a, a younger kid, for example, you know, I think it was recommended for ages 10 and up, um, who wouldn't really be able to, say, run a and d adventure, presumably, huh, that, yeah. you know, the other children would not hate. Um, it kind of packaged <laughs> a lot of that and it took, Maybe, took, some, took some weight off that kid's shoulders, right? Maybe ages 10 to 80. If you're 85, sorry, too old to yes. play HeroQuest. Okay, HeroQuest, that's good. At yeah. the rate we're going, we're going to only get through a couple rounds here, but let's move on. Dan... Well, I was strongly considering a game invented by one of our, our fellow panelists here, uh, Tony, in the uh, the version of Riscopoly in which every <laughs> battle in Risk is is uh, settled with a game of Monopoly. I believe you're only allowed to draft games you have actually played, sir. That's a little uh, bit like uh, the Trivial yeah. Pursuit where you have to roll the die to choose <laughs> which set Except, except Infinitely Worst. Infinitely Worst is my, you know, that's my stock and trade. <laughs> Infl- that'll be your game company, Tony. Infinitely worse games. <laughs> I will go with an oldie, which uh, is Clue, specifically uh, the one uh, yes. I like uh. the best, which was the Master Detective variant, which yes. was a, a later version that had a larger, uh, it had more of everything, basically, like more suspects, more weapons, uh, more more mansion, 
um, and just made it a little bit more fun and more interesting. And and I will, you know, mention that I played Clue recently over the summer with my um, my cousin's kids who are in the uh, eight, nine, and like six, seven range, and. Man, they have really made Clue suck. Yes, they have. <laughs> Which is to say, mm-hmm. they've made it a lot easier because now it like they like you like flip up cards at the beginning of the game. Like everybody can see certain cards, so like you deal out like five different cards or something and flip those over, so everybody can immediately um, eliminate those. Which means yes, the game of Clue takes less time than it used to, but it also doesn't really require quite as much in the way of deductive reasoning and wild guessing. And really, where's the fun in that? But I was a fan of mystery fiction and detective stuff, and I really liked Clue. I liked the fact that there was a little envelope that you could put things in. I love the little pieces that have, like, you know, a little dagger, a little rope, that kind of stuff. And I know it's a, it's not the best game in the world, but I have fond memories of it, and I enjoyed playing it. And that's Cluedo for our, inter, our, our international yes, listeners. For our, that's right. I think it is the best game to movie adaptation, though. Oh, you're here. <laughs> Could be. Better than Battleship? That's right. No! <laughs> Better than Chess the Musical? No! <laughs> mm. <laughs> to follow Jason's example, which piece did you play in Clue? Oh, Professor Plum. I was a Colonel Mustard guy myself. I was always the rope. Am I doing it wrong? <laughs> <laughs> I was Miss Scarlet every time. I was also Colonel Mustard. I, I was also Professor Plum. I was oh. the shoe. <laughs> you know, these guys seem like really bad detectives if they can't tell the difference between somebody who was strangled and somebody who was yeah. shot. <laughs> I mean, they're not they're not crime scene investigators. Uh okay, Clue. That was on my list too. Um excellent choice, Dan. That's a classic. I learned I learned okay, here's so my same uh, babysitter who I played Monopoly with, um as a as a whatever I was, five year old, six year old, I learned that peop- that uh, you you shouldn't cheat at games from Clue because my babysitter went to take a phone call and I looked at who done it and she <laughs> refused to play board games with me the entire rest of the time that she was babysitting me that time and uh, that taught that and then I never cheated at Clue again only Monopoly no <laughs> <laughs> so I have fond memories of Clue and uh, yes Professor Flum gotta be professor plum i'm gonna i'm gonna pick a more recent game because clue and monopoly are off the board and i'm gonna pick uh carcassonne which is a game this is when my family plays um it's game it's game night or it's rainy day game weekend um my pick when it's my turn to pick is carcassonne uh a game that in which you need a table and then you form your own board by drawing tiles of cities and roads and rivers and fields and uh and you put them all together and drop your little uh little wooden guys on them and collect points for having you know com- having a road or or being in a city or being in a field nice um it's really pretty i love that at the end of it you have built a city more or less i think that's kind of neat that you start with nothing um, and you end with something. And strategically, it's actually really tricky. My kids can pick it up fairly easily, but there is a whole other level where you're where you're stealing people's cities or you're finding a way into um, one of the fields where you can really clean up on the number of points. Um, and, you know, I, I found out about it because of the iPad game that uh, that came out from what is that was Coding Monkeys and... Icon Factory, I think, collaborated on that. I think Icon Factory did the art, and uh, and 
I loved the iPad game, but I, I love the board game too. That it it's uh, and some really great expansions that you can roll in that um, that either change how the game develops at the start with the river expansion or does things like double the uh, do a double or nothing on some of the some of the um, the pieces where you have to complete the road or you get no credits or you have to complete the city or you get no credit for any of the pieces that are in the city. Um, lots of fun expansions too. So I I'm I. I love Carcassonne, and I play it uh, whenever my family allows me to. That's my choice. Good one. I like Good that choice. game a lot. Have you been to the city of Carcassonne? I, you know, I have not, uh, but I almost did. I actually, when we were in Barcelona, we almost took a day trip uh, there, and it, I felt si- silly because the number one reason to go there is because I like the game so much. But I almost did it. Maybe someday. It's basically a giant version of the board game. Yeah, that's what I hear. Yeah. <laughs> Are there giant wooden guys standing around yeah. in fields giant and stuff? Meeples. That would be cool. I, I would like to see Beware the, the meeples. Do yeah. not feed the meeples. <laughs> it's modern art, really. Uh, yeah, I just you know, it's fun and it's and it's smart. And every time I play it, I I learn another little trick about the strategy of it. It, it unfolds, which is kind of nice too. Hmm. Let's move on, uh, Monty. It's back to you. I've played a lot of board games, but I'm going to pick the one that I've had the most fun with playing with people whether it's people who don't play games or whether it's you know lifestyle game designer hardcore gamers and that's the 1977 home game version of family feud (laughs) it is incredibly fun for one person to be richard dawson and to divide the group into two groups and actually make people guess the answers to questions like name a famous steward and you think, well, that's easy. But the thing is, it's the 1977 version. Yes. There mm-hmm. are only three people listed here, and they are Jimmy Stewart, Rod Stewart, and Stuart Granger. <laughs> I would have said Jimmy Stewart first. Well, you got yeah. one. Do you want to play or pass? <laughs> There's no right answer. Oh, you, you finally hit on a game I've never played. Well... I recommend going on eBay and spending the three bucks it will take. (laughs) (laughs) But you have to understand that there aren't right answers because you're, of course, guessing what people said. And what people said was completely random and insane. (laughs) As another example, there's a question, name a food you want at least once a week. (laughs) And what are the answers to that one? Bread, meat. Hamburger, uh-huh. steak, okay. and then so forth. But there's no way of knowing that the hamburger and steak could be on the list if somebody already said meat. Mm-hmm. So rather than explain how much fun this game is, I'm just going to give you a couple sample questions that I dug out of the box just now. <laughs> okay, let's do it. Name a foreign brand of beer. Heineken. Heineken. Includes answers like Heineken is number one. Ooh. Lowenbrow. Lowenbrow is number two. I don't think anyone's going to guess number three, which is Stroh's. Oh, wow. Oh, my goodness. I mm. remember Stroh's, but I would not have come up with it. Uh, also on the list, something called Tuborg and something called Genesee. Oh, and Kieran. I've, I've at least I didn't it. know that was from, uh, I, th- I thought Stroh's was American. Huh. Apparently, it was German or something at one it point. It sounds foreign, wow. David. <laughs> uh, the question, name a make car you'd see telephones in. Naturally, the answers are Rolls Royce. Wow. Cadillac, Lincoln Continental, Mercedes-Benz, and Chevrolet. (laughs) (laughs) Who are 
are these people? Well, my theory is that it's just the studio audience for the show. So it's 19, a group of 1977 tourists. Oh, boy. <laughs> that would explain a lot. Stroh's Old, by, by the way, is an American beer. Stroh's Brewery is yes. in Detroit, Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, you guys. Detroit is really like, it's very... It's it, practically Canada. It is practically yeah, Canada. Right. Oh, yeah. It's exotic. It's so exotic. So with the strain of having to know the right answer removed, when you're faced with a question like name a brand of coffee, you get some right away and then everybody sits around trying to remember. Folgers, Hills Brothers. Taster's Choice. Sanka. 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 Brim. Brim, yes. Brim. Fill fill it to the the rim rim with brim. brim. Only Mm -hmm. half a cup? Don't you like my coffee? Uh, We've, yes, we've secretly replaced the coffee they normally serve at this fine restaurant with Folgers crystals. Bob never asks for a second cup at home. <laughs> the top answer for that was Maxwell House, and the bottom answer was Uban. Uban! <gasps> oh, yeah! Well, you can't have Sanka without Uban. Those and it's especially together. fun to play with people who weren't alive in 1977, because they have no idea what <laughs> no idea. were available. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I got nothing to offer there, sorry. <laughs> wow, amazing. This game is tremendously enjoyable. All right. Well Monty, worth $5. Monty, your team is looking really solid. This is all I'm saying. Wow. <laughs> so here's something. Our next sponsor holds the record for the most times sponsoring the incomparable. You know him, you love him. We know him, we love him. It's HostGator.com. HostGator, you should know by now, is a premier web hosting provider. If you're looking to start a website, HostGator can help you get started with monthly hosting plans. One-click installs, tons of other features that make getting your site up and running easy. If you're a more advanced user or a business, HostGator can take care of you with reseller plans, VPS, dedicated servers. They've got all of that. And here's the thing that I love the best. It is my favorite number. HostGator guarantees 99.9% uptime. That is a huge amount of uptime, no matter your size or your needs. Now, if you are a WordPress user, you're going to love not fiddling around with all the stuff that's required to install WordPress. One click, WordPress installs, and an optimized hosting platform. When you host with HostGator, you get unlimited disk space and unlimited bandwidth. That's right. There are free site builder tools that are super easy to use. And if you find yourself needing any help, they have 24-7 support to make sure everything runs smoothly. So head on over to HostGator.com, H-O-S-T-G-A-T-O-R, like Alligator.com to learn more. And when you decide to buy, don't forget to use the coupon code SNELL sent me and get 30% off everything at HostGator.com. Thank you so much to HostGator.com for sponsoring The Incomparable. Erica, what's your next pick? Oh, my goodness. Um, I <laughs> Choices, choices. I think uh. I will I will follow your lead with the uh, Carcassonne uh, tile sort of board building game and choose one of my all-time favorite games to play, which is more recent. It's called Betrayal at House oh, on the Hill. That was on my list. Oh. <laughs> Wait, which Which version? <laughs> The original the version. The one there... with the big thick of stack of errata. Yes. Yeah, the bat the broken one. <laughs> the bad yep. one. And the uh the broken underground lake that's on the attic. This this yes. is a game right. from Monty's former employer. So uh, <laughs> we should mention Monty, you that. weren't responsible for testing this, were you? I was not. But I will say that you mentioned that there's an underground lake tile that's in the upper That's what I said. Thing. Uh because I had access to some of the digital files, I printed out a sticker that fixed mine. <laughs> so I moved mine down to the bottom. 
With great power comes great responsibility. I just remember playing a mission in that game that it was like impossible for us to win or something. Like we got to like I halfway played, through it, and it's like I played a lot of that. yeah. This was, couldn't be, This cannot a, be done. <laughs> yeah, I was in a, a board game club in college when that was popular, and I remember playing it like like every week for like a month, and then a number of times where we either where we would like we would be playing for three hours and realize that basically the end is inevitable. We are either going to win or lose and we just need to roll dice for another hour. Came up way too often. So Erica, explain <laughs> explain this game to me. We've now discovered that there may have been some flaws. Oh, yes. Yes, I was certainly... I, I, I'm not looking at it through any kinds of rose-colored glasses. Uh, I just... I, I really enjoyed the, the way that the game is played because very much like Carcassonne, you, you build the, the, the board, which is a house, um, as you go. The idea is you are a bunch of random people that for some reason have decided to spend the night and... and investigating this this haunted house and on each turn i like there's a tiny bit of sort of a role-playing element to it because each character has a certain number of speed you know that they can go a certain number of spaces in a turn and there are there's they're so smart x number of points for sort of intelligence and, and sanity that sort of thing and you explore and and turn over a room tile for each each room that you walk into and um, as they mentioned, that there there is an underground lake, which is on the third floor. There's a, a main floor, and upstairs, and a basement. And yeah, there were there were a few mistakes, but you could you could travel around the house, and eventually, uh, after a certain number of uh, of events happen, there are some cards that you turn up and, and spooky, scary things. It's very fun to. We used to put on a uh, Midnight Syndicate CDs while we were playing this game. That's a really spooky um, spooky band that does like just sort of. Uh, ambient music for like it's creepy vampire type stuff and you read the cards in a really spooky voice and eventually it becomes clear that one of you is a traitor which nobody knows until it actually happens and then that person has to take this little booklet and go off into another room and figure out what they're supposed to do and then everybody who's left are the the good guys and you read the a, a separate booklet and then it's sort of like everybody against the one traitorous bad guy and Sometimes it doesn't work out very well, and it's not always super well balanced. But I just I like the idea that it it kind of takes a left turn in the middle, and it's kind of fun, and it's got a, a lot of good replayability because uh, there are like something like I don't know thirty or fifty different. I think there's fifty. Yeah, 50 different um, scenarios that you can go through. So there are tons and tons of little tokens and tiles and stuff for Ugh. rats and bats and zombies and ooze and Spleens. whatever kind of stuff. There's a spleen token. Mm-hmm. Yep. A lot of random things. Or one thing where you're having to put together a person or something. It's the organs. house has organs and turns <laughs> against right. you. I've mm-hmm. I've played it too much for a game I don't actually like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so according to the 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 errata page for how Betrayal and House on the Hill, uh, the way you play is when you get to the levitating lake on the upper floor, mm-hmm. you uh, it it the floor collapses and plunges you down to the lake in the basement, and then you play from there. But yep, they, they yeah, having kind of a misprint, yeah. Having a link to the uh, errata page, uh, it was very helpful when we would, when we would <laughs> I play I just this have game. like a 30-page printout that's like oh, yeah. binder clip that's stacked on top of my box. Oh, jeez. Wow. Yeah. Kind of a flaw. I can't really push a software update to a board game. Though. No. I mean, it, it is, <laughs> it's really much. cool in that each time you play it, it's going to be very different. Unfortunately, yes. sometimes it'll be very short. Sometimes it'll be very, you know, long. Sometimes it'll be broken. But, I mean, it is... I, they they wanted to make a game that would be very different every time you played it, and they did that. 
a lot of atmosphere, which I appreciate. Yes. One thing I liked about it was that some of the haunts are easier if you get them earlier in the game, and some are easier if you get them later in the game. So sometimes everything gets messed up and it's impossible, but you don't really know until the haunt starts whether you're facing zombies or the house is on fire or you have You're to all construct- small and you're running away from cats. And you have to construct <laughs> a giant paper airplane, yes. Yeah. Wow. Another game I've never heard of, so... Uh, good job. Erica, you're two for two in <laughs> exposing me to games I have never even heard of before. All right. Uh, David, your turn. All right. Here's one that um, a friend got for me years and years ago called Poetry Slam. And it's basically Scrabble, but with words. And the, you know, it's got nouns. And, I mean, if, if, you've had a, if you've had a magnetic poetry kit, same kind of pieces, right? And you you would get scored points for you know smaller points uh, smaller words would be low points complicated difficult words would be big points uh, we used to add to the rules because there weren't enough rules um, that you know if if your sentence or your line was more coherent or more attractive you'd get a bonus point if it was nonsense but you didn't have a choice those those were all the words you had you didn't get any points but um, it's a lot of fun, and it, and it would be fun to try and make sense of all the poems and sentences on the board by the end of the game. And so, you know, it's it's, it's a fun fun way to come up with random stuff. So, magnetic poetry, the board game, basically, <laughs> basically. That's another one I've never played or even heard of. In this case, yeah, I don't know if they even still make it anymore, but it's it, it's a lot of fun. It's well worth grabbing, especially if you like Scrabble. It's sort of a little more difficult than Scrabble, obviously. Wow. Yeah, it's on. I'm looking at the page on Board Game Geek right now. It's real. He didn't imagine it, people. <laughs> it's a I can real take thing. a picture of it with myself and a newspaper from today. So. <laughs> you, you haven't destroyed it yet? That's what is right. a news? Yeah, newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> well, they don't my, make my, those anymore. My iPad is a times app. My iPad with a website of a newspaper. Yes, there you go. Much, oh, very much, legit. Yeah, impo- impossible to fake. <laughs> much better. Much better. Yeah, photos, impossible to fake. Yeah, hostage taking ain't what it used to be. <laughs> All right, Tony, your turn. Uh, okay, I'm going to draft Race for the Galaxy. Okay. That's because oh. it's a great game. Who else has played Race for the Galaxy? I haven't played it, but I do know of it. Just I mean, Dan. I, I played it against you many, many times. <laughs> you called that playing? Sing. <laughs> um, <laughs> Dan and I played a lot of Race for the Galaxy. Um, Race for the Galaxy is a card or board game um, that is delightful. Um, it is a game in which you are building a galactic empire. Um, it is not... it. It's not as interactive a game as other games that I like. You're kind of building this little empire from yourself and, and pulling cards and using cards to buy other cards and build this little empire in front of you. It's it's actually kind of, um, if you have ever played the game uh, Puerto Rico, uh, yeah. which is a game where you build ah, colonies. Yes. So apparently the, the story is that Race to the Galaxy was in fact came kind of out of a game design challenge in which the idea was to take the, the board game Puerto Rico and turn it into a card game. And that is somewhat what they've done. You get to choose a uh, kind of a special power each turn, and those can rotate. And there's uh, turning things into uh, either victory points or into uh, goods that you can use to convert into stuff. Um, th- it is not the easiest game to learn how to play. Um, it is very popular, and there at this point, uh, I think four or five expansions for it, um, which add to the complexity of it. Um, 
but it, it does take a while to ramp up to it. I have taught many people how to play it, and it's a game that takes like a good five or six times before people get it. Um, but I have frequently heard people refer to it as uh, nerd poker um, because people really enjoy um, <laughs> playing it and being able to chat while playing it once they've kind of mastered it. It does kind of suffer in that it is not a very interactive game, right? Like you're not trading goods with other people or uh, affecting other people, which is kind of one of my critiques of a lot of the kind of older style board games where it's like, you know, you're rolling a dice and moving a little thing around a board and you're not actually interacting with other people in the game space. Some of us like that. Some of us like that. (laughs) Sometimes that's a plus. I do like that because I refer to that game as being it's competitive without being antagonistic. Yes. Which is to say you're not, yeah, you're not trying to, like you can't grief somebody in Race for the Galaxy, which I think also having played with Tony and some of our other friends, I think that's a good thing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm coming for you. Um, and And I would put Race for the Galaxy in this like, probably my grouping of like, five games that I've played hundreds of times to the point that like I would get sick of it and then take a couple weeks off or months off and then come back to it. Um, there were times where like, you know, you'd go away for a weekend and I would just play dozens of games in a weekend with people. Uh, I will never forget. There was a time Dan and I were sitting in my, I was going to use the word crappy, but let's say shabby apartment um, in the summer with no air conditioning and we just played, I think, Dan, we played Race for the Galaxy from, like, noon until, like, Like, dinner. 3 and 30 in the yeah. morning or something? Yeah. Something like that. It was, and we just kept at, playing. At speed, you can play in a game in about half an hour. Yes. And you'd finish and be like, one more game, one more game. Well, and it ha- it hits that kind of, that thing that, it because of the strategy that's in it, that, like, I feel like a lot of video games kind of kind of catch you where you can like you want to try you want to get a little bit better each time right um you know there is an element of kind of both competing with yourself as well as the other players because you can't really interact with them which is kind of neat um so you are kind of playing against yourself trying to see how many points you can get there are several different strategies that people try to use and that you know people believe in so you know and some of those are kind of picked for you at the beginning you get assigned a home world uh at the start of the game randomly and you know the home world gives you a slight edge toward a variety of different strategies so there's like you know, you might get a strategy, that, uh, homeworld that starts you with a little bit of military power, and then you decide I'm going to go military or I'm not going to go military. Um, and I, I like that because it's kind of I like games where you can kind of try and practice it and hope that you're getting better and better. Um, and you know, theoretically, you'll never get bored of it that way. Right? <laughs> What's nice is it's an extremely tactical game too, which is mm-hmm. that it, there are many different valid paths to winning, um, and it really does depend on how you're playing it, and also. I like the tactical part that it's, you know, your best move is the move that you can, like, make right now, right? Like, you got to look at what is my options right now. I got to do the best thing for me right now as opposed to, like, if you try to plan out, like, eight moves ahead and you don't get the cards that you want, you know, that that's a waste. So You go to I, Race I, I for like the Galaxy with the cards you have, not the cards you need, Dan. <laughs> um, so, I don't know. It, it always hit that kind of strategy spot for me, probably in a way that maybe poker or chess did for other people. Um I, I used to play a lot of chess, like in, in junior high, and was never I was always rubbish at it. Um, I've never really gotten into poker, um, but that idea of kind of trying to get a little bit better each time and and kind of it, it's it's one of those good games where um, you know I think I think you could probably never completely master it, so that there's always there, there's an interesting element of that. And there is if you do not like other humans, um, there's probably a, there's a version you can play on your computer um, where you can try and beat the AI, and the AI is pretty good. Um, and you can just you can play those games in like eight minutes because you're not wait, waiting for other humans. Um, I don't know if I recommend that, but if you do not like other people, check that out and don't talk to me. Uh, <laughs> all right, I, it does sound good. However, my favorite part of Puerto Rico is the little wooden barrels. So I assume these are not 
there are no wooden barrels, and that makes me sad. <laughs> there are. I mean, I I enjoyed Puerto Rico. I played a lot of that before Race to the Galaxy. There are some of the thematic elements of Puerto Rico that I can never not be uncomfortable about. So, um, <laughs> fair enough. Puerto Rico is a game in which unpaid workers come to help you make goods <laughs> at your plantation, but and little they come wooden barrels. Boat. From far away. And they're so eager to do it, too. More people come every day to work for free on my plantation. Yeah. How I nice mean, of them. So there's yeah. that on one hand. On the other hand, you get to say indigo a lot. So, like, you got to balance that out. Dan, it's your turn. Well, I'm going to pick a slightly similar game in that I find it falls in that same sort of competitive without being antagonistic uh, slot. And this is uh, probably my favorite game of recent years, and I bought it for multiple people, and that is Seven Wonders. Um, oh, I don't know if yeah. anybody else that has is, played Seven Wonders. It. Not yet. Uh, I, know, I, I mean, I know Tony has, but it's um, it is a really fun game where it takes place in. It's the Seven Wonders of the Ancient World. Each of you gets Te- one of the wonders. A card game. <laughs> oh, a card game. But it has boards. It has a board. You have a board in front of you. <laughs> uh, you each have an individual board with your your wonder on it, and you basically it's played in three ages, and in each age. You have uh, your delta out a certain number of cards that are things that you can build, like resources, um, you know, like wood piles or, you know, brick places you can get brick from or rock or what have you. And then things get more complicated. You're building like forums and the senates and there's all these different types of cards, you know, science cards where you're building like achievements in learning and and things where you're building like statues or, or monuments or things where you're building commercial things, and you sort of go around and build your tableau, um, and you're competing with the people, you know, to try and build, acquire the most points, have your tableau be worth the most at the end of the game. And you do, there is some interaction because you can trade, as in something like Settlers of Catan, you can trade resources with the people on either side of you. But since it plays up to seven people, there are oftentimes people who are like across the table from you that you are basically will never interact with. Um, but it's it's <laughs> super fun. It takes, you know, like, it's not too steep of a learning curve. I find that the first game takes about an hour, and then subsequent games you can play in about half an hour. There's a really cool mechanic with where your hand that you're dealt out at the beginning of the game basically gets passed around to every player. So you pick a card, and then you pass the remaining cards to the player on your right or left, and basically it goes all the way around. So it's another one of these games that requires sort of like, all right, these are these cards. What's the best card I can pick right now? because I might not have another chance uh, at, at this set of cards. Um, and it's it's a really beautiful game. It's great art, uh, you know, well-designed, and I haven't really met anybody who doesn't seem to enjoy it. So I bought it for my cousins, uh, for a couple friends. It's it's super fun. And it's hard to find games that play seven people. Yeah, yeah it is. Mm-hmm. It, it's a good one for that. I, I think it's, it's, it's in that nice spot of having enough complexity, but also being something that you can introduce other people to. I used to play board games with people uh, at my work over lunch, and it was always like hard to find a game that you could definitely play in an hour and that you could definitely play in an hour and teach somebody who had not n- played it before. And Seven Wonders fits like perfectly into that. It's it's a really great... I'd say of all the games we've kind of talked about today, um, if there's one that like you want to go out and buy and play for the first time without you know knowing how to play it ahead of time, Seven Wonders would be a great one to start with. My old work, nobody ever worried about that. So every uh, mailroom was full of war games tucked in the corner with notes saying, please do not move any of these armies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, my turn. I'm going to pick a game. So my playing, playing board games with my kids is a challenge because um, when you lose, it can be upsetting if you're really into the game. I don't know if you remember being a kid and having that mm-hmm. moment of like, you know, 
it, it's not that great to lose a game. Um, and so we, my wife and I went on a whole, uh, quest to come up with some games that we could play that would not upset my son. Um, because if he didn't win, he would be upset. Let the Wookiee win. That was one (laughs) thing we could do. Otherwise we had to find a game that was cooperative and we ended up finding one that he loves to this day, several years later. And it's Castle Panic. Um, I don't know if you guys mm, have I have pl- played it. Play this game. It, 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 basically, you have a castle in the center of the map, and every turn, it's a co- completely cooperative game. Every turn, um, m- monsters appear in the forest and move toward your castle, and the game ends when you kill all the monsters, and there's a big bag full of monster tiles, or the monsters knock down all the walls of your castle, and I think there's six different walls that they can they can hit and uh and then you then you lose and when you lose everybody loses and if you win then the person who kills the most monsters is the master slayer but really it is a cooperative game and it's got some expansion packs that up the uh, difficulty level a little bit because after you played it a little while you can get pretty good unless you really have bad luck with the drawing of the monsters you can get pretty good at, at killing the monsters and and the way the play works is you get cards that are basically um offense to attack uh various monsters in various places on the board then you can trade one card with uh with other players on the board so you're trying to work the problem together and then you kill the monsters and take their tokens and then when that's all done you move the monsters and they get closer and they move around and they do and occasionally giant boulders roll through and slam into the walls of your castle and things like that um but it's a lot of fun and there's no Either everybody loses, in which case there's no gloating winner, <laughs> right? It's just like, oh, shucks, the monster's won. Or everybody wins. And uh, I really like that. And uh, it, it feels actually a little bit like a video game. It reminds me of Space Invaders in a way, in the relentless way that the waves of, they just keep coming and they come closer and closer and closer until they destroy you. But um, it, it, it has been uh, really successful with my kids because it is cooperative and yet... Um, uh, they can grasp the uh, the strategy of uh, how to knock these monsters off. And yeah, the monsters have different illustrations on their cards, so they're kind of interesting. It's like, oh, that guy's really ugly and all of that. But in the end, it's a great like teamwork board game. So Castle Panic, I like it a lot. You should play it. Play it with kids. They like it. You know, for kids. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, a good one. So shout out to my local game store who uh, recommended that one to us because they got it right. Support your local game store. Okay. Hey, you know what game we haven't mentioned in this entire episode of The Incomparable so far? Cards Against Humanity. The reason is this episode is brought to you by Cards Against Humanity. Now, they asked us not to say anything about their game because they said they just didn't want to waste your time. So they say, enjoy the podcast. Thank you to Cards Against Humanity. And I'm just going to slip it in there. Cardsagainsthumanity.com. All right, back to it. Let's do a lightning round where we just go around really quickly and name another uh, another round before we uh, before we go. I don't want to just do two rounds. So, Monty, what do you have? Uh, Risk 2210 AD. It's like Risk, but it has new maps. It's in the future, so you can go to space. And there's a turn limit. Everybody gets five turns. That's five years. And you're done. Really improves Risk. Oh, and there are nukes. You get to nuclear bomb people. Wow. Aren't there other crazy risk? Dan, haven't you played a crazy? Yeah, I was going to Risk that. Legacy. Yeah, Risk Legacy is nuts. That was on my list. Not as huh? much fun game per game as Risk 2210 AD, which I have played a million times. Cool. 
Full disclosure, cool. I used to work for the company that made it. All right. Fair enough. More <laughs> disclosure from Monty. Monty is connected to many of these games, although he takes no credit or blame for betrayal on House on the Hill. Uh, uh, he tried to fix it, but he only fixed his one copy. Yes. <laughs> That's a said, eh, good enough. Erica, what about you? Uh, my next is one of my all-time favorite games, uh, Arkham Horror, which is a game based on the... <laughs> yep. <laughs> Erica, I think you and I may have, like, opposite ideas about one, happiness, I, and board games. I think you might be right. Wow, between that and betrayal, you've got a lot of little yeah. counters to deal with. Mm-hmm. in your. She loves cardboard and hates sanity. I do. Yes, yes, that is exactly it. It's uh, it's based on the Lovecraftian mythos, and it's it's a game that has a million rules, takes forever, um, and <laughs> almost never gets finished. And I like games like that. That's my, my thing. And... Uh, I, it, it's another cooperative game, actually, which is I love co-op games. I prefer that too. Um, I don't like games where you're sniping at each other or being co-op, uh, being contentious. So, yeah, I I'll play Arkham Horror anytime. All right, David. Well, I you know I got so many odd board games over here. I mean, I even have the Have Gun Will Travel board game from 1959, which is actually kind of fun. But I'm going to mention a game that isn't even out yet because I really want to play it. Um, there's the, the comic book and graphic novel called Kill Shakespeare that combines all of Shakespeare's plays into one gigantic world and has different characters from different plays teaming up to kill one another and rescue everyone from the evil Lady Macbeth and all this stuff. And now IDW, who puts out the comic book, is putting out a game, and they just started a, a Kickstarter for it. And it looks really interesting. And it looks like it blends a lot of elements from games like Catan and uh, maybe Risk. I don't know. I've only seen a little bit of the game, but it looks really exciting. All right. little speculation there. You're taking a – it's a draft. You can take a – you know, you know <laughs> who knows? That may I'm, be I'm taking the long may, game here. It's a stretch, but – As it were. You already have the long game. You picked Monopoly. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> He's got all of them. Um, well, David just mentioned it. And this is the lightning round, so we don't have to talk too much about it. But it feels sad to not have specifically called out uh, Settlers of Catan, um, yeah. classic, uh, yeah. you know, German board game in which you trade goods. You get to say, you know, I'd like sheep for wool and or sheep for uh, grain and, and so on. So I don't know if we need. God, I hate the robber. The robber sucks. Don't make the sheep for wool trade. Don't make the sheep for wool trade. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know how much I need more. Need, more I need to say about it. Uh, Stupid if, if robber. It's not the lightning round. I would tell the story about how. When I was in college, I had too many sodas and had defaced the Wikipedia page for Settlers of Catan. I just want to say, when I was young and irresponsible, I was young and irresponsible, and I feel bad about that. The too many sodas defense. Typical yeah. Tony. Too many sodas. That man can't hold his caffeine. I'm telling you. You know, it's. I don't know if I can be clear about how boring my childhood and young adult and early adult life was. And is. I think we're getting the picture. Yeah. Oh, Dan. <clears throat> Well, I will mention since uh, it came up, Risk Legacy, uh, which is a really fun twist on Risk where the board itself changes as you go along. You basically get stickers that go down, and so you found cities. Uh, Occasionally, bad things happen, like uh, entire countries get nuked, or there's toxic waste, um, or there's you you get to name continents, you get bonuses from these things, and like uh, as with Monty's version of Risk, they I think improve it by making it so that. Uh, winning the game doesn't require so much, you know, eliminating every other player from the game, which can take forever. 
Um, and it, there's a finite number of games that you can actually play, which I think is a fascinating concept. Basically, you can play 15 games. Uh, after that point, the world is set, and you can continue to play, but it just doesn't change anymore. But the whole idea of a malleable world for board games strikes me as just, it's it's fascinating. And it really, uh, I especially love the fact that it drives one of our friends crazy because you can rip up cards. <laughs> There's also secret packets. Oh, yeah. Yes, there are secret packets you open, you unlock as the game goes along. You you meet certain conditions that require you to open up little envelopes and add new elements to the game. Crazy stuff. And, like, stickers that go in the rules. And there's an envelope that says, never open this. There is oh, an envelope that says, do not open Oh, there was a big argument ever. about that when I we found had it, that. Yeah. We, had, we had an <laughs> argument. Someone wanted to open it. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> Amazing. And for my lightning round pick, I was going to I was gonna mention... Uh, well, there are a few that we'll go around and get what what's left. But I wanna, um, I'm gonna pick rather than going for another really fun game that we've pl- been playing recently. I'm gonna go <laughs> back into the, I'm gonna go back into the old, <laughs> the archive. One of my favorites as a kid, sorry, or as they say, oh, that's on my in, list too. <laughs> as they say in Canada, sorry, sorry. Um, I love this game. It's uh, you you got little brightly colored uh, guys. And you move them around, and you have to get them all the way from the start to the finish around the board. And if they land right on the little triangle at the top of the slide, they get to slide down a few extra spaces. But if you bump somebody off, sorry, they go back to the start. <laughs> and they, and you have to get all four, I believe, of your little guys all the way around the board and into their little home safely. Um, and you don't roll dice. You draw, I think you draw cards, right? Yep. Cards and, it is. Yeah. I love that game. I play that game way, way, way too much as a kid. And when I think about board games, I think about not just sorry. I think about a sorry board that was sort of half ripped down the center spine. <laughs> Your, it yours too. So much. Oh, yeah. yeah, there was a design flaw there. Um, I mean, it wasn't an underground pool on the upper floor, but still, it was. There's some design flaws. It was well loved, and you know, the the whole cardboard box was kind of mushed. But um, I loved it, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna. Take uh, take an old school game and pick sorry. There may be nothing more aggravating in the world than your younger sister saying sorry. Sorry. Oh yeah, this game taught children about how to be mean and still apologize. Yeah, how to say yes. sorry sarcastically. Yep. That's right. That's practically an MBA education for you right there in one game. Sorry with an exclamation point. That's the best part about it. Sorry, but not really sorry. That was the subtitle there. Not. Sorry, that guy. Back to the beginning. <laughs> He's got to go all the way around again. And it had the, the cards had little weird things, like the, some of them had strange things. You can go backward, and it was crazy. It was. A, I love that game. All right, we should uh, get everybody. What what else was on people's list that didn't get chosen in the three rounds of our our draft? They're free agents. The, they're, they're just list out dump there. lightning phase. Yeah, yeah. Now we move, now we're dumping dumping out the list. <laughs> so you know how this works, Tony. Mon- Monty, what else did you have that you didn't want? You didn't get to mention? Uh, I had Blood Bowl, specifically the original version of Blood Bowl. Oh wow, <laughs> I've never heard of that, but <laughs> I love that. It, is. it sounds terrifying. I want to go to there. It's a games <laughs> workshop uh, football game with elves and orcs and stuff. The original version, oh my there God. was a deluxe uh, board you could have that was all sculpted, and that meant none of the figures would stand right on any of the squares, and I loved it. There's a video game version now that some people like and I have not played. I also had Talisman good on my list. If we had gone long enough, I would have picked the Mad Magazine game, which was a parody of Monopoly and actively unplayable. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I would have that thrown game. in uh, King of Tokyo, which is a super fun game. <gasps> yes. Mostly so I could say that I played it before it was out 
in Chiba, <laughs> Japan, with the designer Richard Garfield and one of his sons. Wow. wow. Glenning right Man. there. There it yep. was. Game Glenning. Good job. Take that. Uh, Erica, what did you have as your leftovers? Um, I had a few from the classic as a kid uh, category, Life, which I used to love, although now I realize that that game is totally effed up. It's, it's, <laughs> not, a good, it's not a good game. Oh, my God. It's terrible. Uh, but it had a spinner, um, yeah. which became terrible because it wouldn't spin for very long. Little pegs. Yep. Um, Fireball Island, which was a. Uh, oh a man, I almost picked that. I watched the I watched the commercial for it today because I wanted to. I had that game, convinced my mother to buy it, made her play it with me incessantly. It's yep. not a very good game. But you was, don't know that when you're little. Such great design, like Mousetrap, right? Like uh, the that, fun oh, part is putting the game together and like. Mousetrap is the next one on my list. As a matter of fact. <laughs> I'm starting to get an idea of your taste mm-hmm. here, Erica. Yep. <laughs> uh, but then uh, jumping back into to games, uh, sort of slightly more recent ones. Uh, I just played a game a couple weeks ago for the first time called Dixit, which is kind oh, of yeah. like Dixit's a cross great. between uh, apples to apples and Balderdash, except you're using pictures instead of, of words. Oh, it's really, really fun. Um, My cousin, the child, the children's librarian, loves that game. She plays it with her kids, and it's it's really fun. Yeah, it's one that like I just I have to go out and get it after playing it. I liked it that much. Um, there was there are a lot of Lord of the Rings games, but there was one particular one that was a co op game that I that I quite like uh, that my sister and her boyfriend have. So that one's a good one. Um, we mentioned uh, Settlers of Catan, but I like Starfarers of Catan, which Ooh. is a, a, a very separate game. It's not one of the expansion packs. Um, and instead of rolling dice, you have giant plastic spaceships with three different colored balls in the middle, and you shake them up and down. And the the, the the way that they land uh, tells you how many like tells you where you can go. That one's I hear fun. that's uh, wildly out of print now. Oh yeah, it is. It's really expensive. Well, because there's Star Trek Catan yep. now that they're focusing mm-hmm. on. Yeah. I like my star fairs. Uh, Solar Quest, which is basically Monopoly in space with lasers. Uh, you're landing, <laughs> you're landing on uh, the moons of the the planets of the solar system instead of instead of properties, and that helps you learn about uh, learn about the planets as well. And, so you know, lasers you land on Io. Yeah, that, that's the thing. Like I, one time, I was playing and I got taken out on the second turn because somebody rolled two sixes and shot me with his lasers, and I was dead. So that was a little sad. Wow. But yeah, that. I, I figure that's probably good enough. Amazing. Crazy list. All right. David, what do you have left over? I've got a game called Kinesis that we picked up at, there, there's a nice little game store about 90 miles away. It just looked interesting. I had no idea what it was. And it, it's one of those where you have to get your piece all the way across the other, to the other side of the board, but you can only move one space at a time unless you land on, quote unquote, a stick. And then it, then it kind of works like, Shoots and ladders for adults. It's it's a difficult but fun game. Um, I also, I mean, just going classic. I love chess. I love Parcheesi. Um, but my favorite of all those kind of games is Pente, which mm. I think came out right around sixth grade, and we all went nuts for it because it was beautiful. It was, you know, it came rolled up in a tube, and you had the little uh, translucent gems, and so you know you. One person had the red gems and one person had the gold gems, and you had to uh, put put them. You, you, the, the board was a grid, and you put each gem on a um, a corner, a, a point where the where the squares would meet. And you had to get five in a row, but you had you could block the other person, and so you could wind up with the board covered in gems. And so it was just 
it was one of those where the aesthetics of the game won us over and then we just really enjoyed playing it so all right i missed that one okay tony what do you have all right i got four um okay. so the first one is forbidden island which is another cooperative yep. game yeah um, i think cooperative list. games are, are really interesting yeah we uh, have and we got forbidden desert which is harder and we've I yet haven't to played win. that one yet. we've yet to win we Ooh. lost like Ooh. five times it makes it hard to does it have like a sliding it? difficulty scale a lot yeah of the we're at the we're at the easy oh. scale and we can't beat it so yeah so we I don't. Die. I think cooperative games are really neat. Forbidden Island and yeah. Forbidden Desert are by the same person who designed Pandemic. So depending on kind of where you are, you might choose one of those. Depending, um, you know, Pandemic is a little bit more uh, adult, whereas Forbidden Island is kind of more kid friendly. Yep. And, um, so there's that. Uh, my next game is uh, Der Kreuzfahrt on Teufelsberg. Um, <laughs> <laughs> is a very bizarre game. The Kurtzwitz-Hofersburg um, is also known as The Coach Ride to the Devil's Castle. Um, is a German game. I have it, a the game in German with, they have, I, it was sold internationally somewhere, so it has in much smaller text the English instructions on each of the cards. Um, I believe they did eventually make an American version of it, but I for a while had a weird, like, imported one that I'd bought from some guy in Spain over the internet. It was very exciting. Um, and it is a game where you are, part of different little conspiracies and i guess the premise is you're on a coach ride presumably to the devil's castle and you're kind of struggling on the coach um for uh keys or goblets depending on which uh, secret society you're part of so it's one of these neat kind of like lying attacking people kind of uh social card games um some people don't like it because there's you can't really do table talk um but that was another game that for a while i played incessantly um that is a card game so sorry um small world is a really great board game where you get to basically kind of uh, pick fantasy races and mix and match them with different powers. So it has a lot of replayability and it has expansions that add to that. It also has a really excellent uh, iPad app that you can play. It's great, uh, I know yeah. Dan and I have played that a lot, and that's that's probably one you could play with kids as well. Yes, yes, we do. Um, and the last one on my list is Dominion, uh, which is very popular. It's a deck-building game. So you yep. start with this kind of grid of cards, and you start with basically just money to buy uh, cards that will hopefully get you points. And at this point, uh, Dominion is extremely successful. There's I- I've lost track of how many expansions there <laughs> yeah. are. I think I-, I only have four of them, and there's many, many more. And there's a whole genre now of deck building games and there's not only is dominion fantastic but um dominion itself has so many different um stacks of cards in the in the initial box that you're essentially getting um variants inside the box which i really like because so again and you know that's because replayability is is something that people really like in a game right there's there's that idea of complexity and building skill over time but also that the game will be different um, as opposed to kind of older old school board games where it's kind of the same thing over and over again. So I think Dominion's really exciting for that. Dan, that's, that's me. Dan, what do you have? Uh, several of the ones I had on my list got mentioned: Forbidden Island, Pandemic. Um, uh, the other ones I was going to include: Puerto Rico. We mentioned, but no one picked, which I I, I think it was is a good game. Um, Race a game for the Galaxy from... with more oppression. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> wooden barrels and less space. Um, as a kid, I really wanted to play much more than I ever got a chance to. Scotland Yard. Um, where you Dan, are, I know where you can find a copy of that, <laughs> Mister X, and you're like running around through uh, through London, being pursued by you know police, basically, and you surface every once in a while, but you have to take different types of transportation. Anyways, I always thought it was such a cool concept. Um, Pandemic kind of uses that for its bioterrorist expansion. It's very similar. Um, 
games that I can't play anymore with people. Certain people include The Resistance, which is very much like <laughs> Coach Rise of the Devil's Castle, where some of you are spies among Resistance cells, and you have to identify people who are the spies by sending them on missions. And Shadows Over Camelot, where you're playing members of King Arthur's Court, which is very cool. It's somewhat cooperative, but there is Alpha and A Trader within your midst. midst. Um, but that's a fun game. And most recently, uh, uh, another game I think that that was uh, created by one of Monty's former employers, Lords of Waterdeep, which is a D&D themed game, uh, worker placement game that is super fun. Doesn't really matter if you know anything about D&D or not. That's mostly kind of the flavor. But you basically are collecting adventures, sending them on quests to do things and earning points. Super fun. There's a great iPad app, too. The Castle Ravenloft game plays just like that but is horror D&D themed, and it's also super fun. Well, the Ravenloft game is more of actually like D&D, whereas this is more like a European, it's more like an Agricola or something like that. You would call it, if you were a board game nerd, a worker placement placement. while adjusting the location of the glasses on your nose. Thank goodness (laughs) we're not those people. That would be That's my list. Terrible. Wow, very nice. (laughs) Um, I'm going to mention Ticket to Ride, which Ah, is the the, uh, railroad barren game where you build uh also one of the nice things about it is like uh careers you don't know <laughs> what the goals are of the other players although if they're really 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 trying to get to miami you may be suspicious that they're trying to connect la to miami <laughs> uh, but that's a lot of fun and the kids the kids love to play that game and there's also a good uh, ipad version of that game i believe mm-hmm. um and then the other two i want to mention are, are old school because um, I was going to mention Small World and Dominion, too. Those are great choices. Um, Thanks. I, I was not going to mention the Coach Ride to the Devil's Castle, though. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, Just say it faster and angrier every time. <laughs> every day. Beautiful language, German. So sonorous. It's very, very nice. <laughs> I'm just surprised. Um, so all the drama happens on the Coach Ride to the Devil's Castle, and then when you get there... Yeah, you never find out what happens at the Devil's Castle. It's like, oh, I guess we're at the Devil's well, Castle now. Huge anticlimax. <laughs> It's left as an exercise for the reader. And for the record, it's Dekuschfarts or Teufelsburg, okay? Gesundheit. Wow, okay. All right. We've been doing it wrong for a long time. Dekuschfarts or Teufelsburg. You're saying it way too slow. Yeah, sorry. Dekuschfarts or Teufelsburg. It's there. So the other old school games, I wanted to mention Dark Tower. Oh, I love that ad. Oh, yeah. Which is, yeah, that's right. That's exactly it. Dark Tower was a game. I had a friend who had this game. It was a computerized board game where there was yeah. basically this little plastic tower in the center and you push buttons and it made like sounds and display an LED that would display a number between 00 and 99. Um, it was really not very good. But it was really exciting because it was technology in a board game. Um, and uh, it, that was a big deal in the early 80s. And the commercial was narrated by Orson Welles. So you got this really exciting yep. sense when he went, Dark Tower. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It sold a lot of a lot of copies of that little plastic thing with a number on it. <laughs> that went, doo, doo, doo. I'm just saying. Uh, but anyway, that was that was quite a thing in the day. And then the other one I wanted to mention, because I have to, because I had this game, and it wouldn't be the incomparable if I didn't mention it. Yes, I had a copy of a board game called The World of Micronauts. That's <laughs> right. There was a Micronauts board game 
I had it. It had little. It had like a little cardboard elevated center, sort of like the 3D chess on Star Trek. So in, in addition to the base level, you could climb up ladders to a second level, and you needed to get to the villain who was on the third level and defeat him. And that also meant that those those cardboard things got bent really easily, and then you could never play the game again. So. Isn't that like a commercial tie-in for a commercial tie-in? Then, but even that the. It was. It was not the related. toys came first, and then a TV show, and then the board game. No, no, it was just a comic, not a TV show. But the, this is based on the based on the toys, not the comic. Based on the oh. toys, which were Thank my you. favorite toy. Gotcha. So the world of Micronauts, it's out there. You can probably get one on eBay for about uh, two bucks, but it will the cardboard will be bent, and you won't be able to play it, and it'll be really disappointing. <laughs> not that I would know anything about that. <laughs> That's it. I think we did it. I think we played some board games now. So, so for our next trick, we will just have to do Trivial Pursuit on the internet. That'll just have to be what we do, or, or Family Feud. Frankly, I, I mean. will move three spaces counterclockwise. Jason, spoiler: that's just called NPR game shows. Sorry. Yeah, I suppose so. <laughs> I suppose so. Board games on the internet. Nobody would listen to board games on the internet. That's uh, yeah. Q seven hundred emails. <laughs> You'd have to be some kind of nerd. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, this was good. This was good. I don't know whose idea this even was, but whoever it was was a genius. Or a genius. So I'm going to say Tony. Wait. What? I think it was me. Thanks, Jason. I've always thought my ideas were the best. Not like those crappy Dan ideas. Erica's quite right. You're not a genius. You're a genus. Yeah, that's it. Reference acknowledged. You got it. You got it. All right. I would like to thank... My panelists for this uh, this trip into uh, onto that onto that table to play those board games. Monty Ashley, thank you. You you picked Trivial Pursuit, Family Feud from 1977, and Risk from 2210 AD. Thanks for being here. Glad to. I cover a wide range. You really do. You really do. And and I know who to come to for uh, trivia uh, questions about trivia cards and what were on the cards. That's I, I know you're the you're the master, Erica Ensign. I had no idea that you worked at a game store. You're you uh, you uh, you're a ringer. You it's like not even <laughs> fair. You just you destroyed us. Careers, betrayal on House on the Hill and Arkham Horror, which made Tony groan. <laughs> there was some groaning. Yeah, I actually forgot. I also had Cosmic <laughs> Encounter on my my quick list, which I Ooh, somehow missed mentioning. So yeah, yeah, I like some good games, guys. <laughs> <laughs> their games aren't bad they're just they're different they're just that, <laughs> that is like me that is me I'm that's the bad. nicest thing i've ever heard tony say i thought he was just gonna say like poorly chosen or something <laughs> like that no not bad i'm just different that should that should be my motto you, you have to get to know tony a lot better before he starts insulting you to your face <laughs> yeah, it's, like, it's like two episodes um, yeah Fair enough. David Lore, thank you for being here. Monopoly, Poetry Slam, which nobody's ever heard of, and Kill Shakespeare, which isn't out yet. But you got Monopoly, you're coasting after that, really. Yeah, you know, I mean, once you pick the big one, you just kind of go, yeah, let's talk about Perquacky. Yeah. Yeah, but th- th- that's like you got, you got like, um, you got like Park Place, and then you got like Oriental and Baltic. Yeah, and then I kept landing on income tax. Yeah. 50, 20, 5. That's what you do. Yeah. Thanks for being here. Sure. Dan Morin, thank you. Sure. Always a pleasure. Yeah. Clue, mm-hmm. Seven Wonders, Risk Legacy. Yeah. Good choices all. <laughs> if I say so myself. <laughs> I'll, let, I'll let Tony. No one else is going to say it. I'll let Tony Sindelar be the judge of that. Tony, thank you for being here. <laughs> Anytime. Hero Quest, Race for the Galaxy, and Settlers of Catan. There of you course. go. And. 
what well there's me i don't i don't have to thank myself that would be strange but thanks I did, jason i did thanks, <laughs> thanks tony for, thanks for drawing us all Carcassonne, here castle panic and sorry sorry yep yep you're not really sorry are you no and uh so to everybody out there listening to the incomparable podcast what i'd like to do is say stay tuned for our next big thing last year it was t-shirts this year stay tuned for the incomparable board game which isn't coming anywhere to any it's more of a card game <laughs> really that's what it's gonna be it's, it's uh, a board game where you build cards yeah it's a card game where you form a board out of i, I don't even know uh but until next time that wraps up this edition of the incomparable podcast thanks to everybody out there for listening and i don't even know what i'm saying anymore goodbye <laughs>You were going to go out and thank everyone again, weren't you? I was, I, was gonna just, I was caught in an infinite loop, Monty. I had to break out of it. Hungry, hungry hippos. Hungry, hungry hippos. I have one final question from the Family Feud game. <laughs> All right, Monty. Take us out, big. Sweet. Name something. The pause is very important when you're being Richard Dawson. Name something you add to scotch. There are four answers. Ice, water, soda, uh, ice, water, and soda are the top three. Oh, Cherries. Jesus. Tape? Nope. Rambouille? <laughs> we'll just assume you got three strikes. The fourth option, according to 100 crazy people, well, six crazy people <laughs> in 1977 Burbank, name something you add to scotch, milk. <laughs> <laughs> wow.